Uncertainty guided him at a time of tragedy and pain. Opportunity found him a new home halfway across the world and gave him a reason to believe that there was more in life to gain. Rejection affirmed his thoughts and feelings of the change that needed to take place. Our guest this week is my new friend, Oleg. And Oleg is a friend of the show because Scott Mason, who is another one of our cool dudes, introduced us. Let's dive into this conversation where Oleg and I talk about how to overcome your odds. Welcome to Casa de Confidence, a podcast for women and some cool dudes going in the direction of their dreams and the confidence it takes to reach them. I'm your host, Julie DeLuca Collins, and your sidekick, handsome hot husband, that again. I am a dreamer, a traveler, a missionary, and risk taker. I am a lover of books, activist, philanthropist, and most of all, we are a supporter of people and their dreams. If you stumble into the casa for the first time, welcome. If you've been here before, we're so glad you're back. Grab your drink of choice, settle in, and make yourself at home. Welcome back to another week of Casa de Confidence. Welcome back, everybody. How you doing, Julie? Well. You've had a rough afternoon. I'm grieving. Yes. I mean, we've uh, had a nice busy day being very productive. Teamwork makes the dream work and all that. Mm -hmm. And then your husband had a reveal towards the end of the day, and he had a hard time breaking it to you. And you thought I was going to be mad. I thought you were going to be upset and mad. And I showed it to her. So I did yard work today. And I was, I'm driving, I'm driving around the yard in my, in the lawnmower mowing and I'm being so careful. Julie's apple tree, a young sapling that she has brought back to life and nurtured. And I, uh, I was being so careful trimming around it. And then I was mowing a troubled spot in the yard. Where I was trying to, you know, it's been weird. Half half the lawn is dead from, you know, lack of rain. And part of it, and ironically, I was actually mowing part of the lawn that had grown because Julie was watering everything, including this little apple tree. And hmm. I turned around on the mower and I backed up. And I have to purposely hold a button so the mower still will turn the blades while I'm going in reverse. And I mowed her tree. Yep. Dear, Mm. I just want to tell you that I am so sorry for mowing your tree. It's okay, Dan. You do a lot for me. And I have to say that I, when he told me, he was sort of like... In a smiling, shy, expecting the wrath. That was a nervous smile. And um, when he told me, he's like, I have something to tell you. Don't be mad. And we were outside and I was kind of cleaning up. And then all of a sudden, before he could even say, I looked over and I was devastated. And okay, you are probably wondering, like, okay, whatever, no big deal. And it is, in essence, not a big deal. It can be replaced. It's not a dog. It's not a person. But um, in Thank that God it moment, wasn't a dog. <laughs> well, in that moment. That's not funny. I, um, you know, it's been a rough week. And sometimes we're dealing with a lot of emotions. And we carry all of those emotions. And something like that can break you. And the reason that broke me is because. I, when I got the apple tree, Dan was like, oh, God, we're not planting that. Second of all, he's like, well, you need a second tree. And he orders a second tree and it comes and it's not a second tree. It's a stick. It's a stick about the size of a pencil, if that. 
And I was like, right, my apple tree and my apple tree. And like, and, and then it took like a while for us to actually plant a tree because I, you know, we weren't planting it right away. And the thing started to wither. And Dan's like, I don't know why we're planting this. It's dead. I'm like, no, no. And, and that's the thing. Like, I believed in the tree. I believed that it was going to grow. I believed that I could nurture it. And I had re- really started to believe that I am a person that doesn't kill plants and trees and that I could actually grow stuff. Hey, you got me for that now. Hmm. Well, <laughs> anyway. Sorry. So needless to say, I was, I'm sad because it was dying. It was withering away. It for many months since we planted it in the spring, it was just a dried up stick in the yard. And then all of a sudden, the consistency of giving it water, the consistency of doing the thing. And let me tell you, like, it's a pain in the ass to bring the water hose all the way across the yard to the damn thing. And all of a sudden, I was like, is that a little tiny leaf? Mm-hmm. And it was. And then the next thing, there was another one. And the next time, there was another one. So there might have been like four little leaves in this little tree that could. But now, it's gone. <laughs> and I'm sad and I'm choked, uh, choked up over it because I feel like this is such a symbol of what happens in life. That sometimes we are so quick to throw away things. We are so quick to not, um, you know, invest the time, energy, or, you know, the the belief that something can come off something that is not there. Mm-hmm. And sometimes all we have to do is show up and do the work. And we may not see it for a while. And we may not, you know, people may not believe in what we're doing. But consistent action gets you traction. And the little apple tree was the little apple tree that could. And it was so funny because a couple days ago, I kept thinking, oh, my God, it's going to be so fun. I can sit under the tree and it's going to be cute. And the dogs are going to be like trying to play with the apples. So I had this whole picture in my mind, which goes to show you that the other lesson in here is that There are times in which the uncontrollable is going to happen. And you know, one of my saboteurs is that controller saboteur. So I had a picture and now the picture has changed. The picture is not what I, what I envision. And you have to be okay with knowing. And at that moment, I was sad and I cried and Dan left to get pizza. And I was crying and bawling, and and I kept thinking, oh, my God, Julie, it's just a tree. Stop crying. And I realized that, no, sometimes it's okay. That the tears for the tree, yes, they were for the tree, but the tears are also for the efforts that sometimes we invest into something and don't pan out or don't pan out as quickly as you want them to. And hmm. and that's a lesson. And the other thing too that I noticed because and here's the the other. I think another third lesson, lesson. I think another lesson here is that is that if things don't pan out, it's okay to feel sad. Oh, for sure. And mourn that moment. Of course. The other lesson, though, that I want to point out is that in that moment of sadness and grief, I could have also allowed myself. I mean. I I was not mad, but like disappointed. And then I started to like think of all the reasons why Dan didn't pay attention and why didn't he do that. And I realized that I can't control him. I can't control what he does. And I cannot allow my emotions, right, to then all of a sudden be turned on him. And that's a lot of times what we do in relationships. We sabotage our interactions with each other because we, you know, we we don't want to feel the, rather than feeling the pain, disappointment or whatever, right? The sadness of losing the tree, 
I could have, you know, jumped into the anger and, and blamed. And the reality is that we can't control that. Anyway. Anyway. So lots of lessons in the little tree. Well. <clears throat> Maybe that's my next book. Lessons from the tree. Lessons from the tree? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Anyway. Uh, but other but than anyway. that. Hey, Julie, what are you drinking right now? I'm, you know, I really should be having a drink, but I'm having a ginger ale. Hmm. Oh, look at that sound effect! Wow, wow, that was a lot of sound effects going on. It is. (laughs) My ginger ale is empty. I'm having a childhood delight. I'm having a Hosmer Mountain White Birch beer. Mm. Hosmer Mountain is a local bottler here in Connecticut, uh, uh, Manchester, Connecticut, uh, formulated with cane sugar. Mm. Now, I don't drink soda that much at all. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when I do, it's a treat. And this is a wonderful treat. Cool. Anyway, just reminds me of when I was a kid. Very nice. It's interesting how things like that can kind of take us back mm-hmm. to childhood and can take us back to, mm. you know, things that kind of uh, bring you joy. Yeah. So, Julie. Um. Yes. Tell us about our guest today. You know, I was just thinking. What were you thinking? I've been thinking that our yard Mm-hmm. Has seen the bunnies and trees gone? <laughs> what? Oh, <laughs> oh my God! I'm sorry. It just occurred to me. I couldn't help myself. Oh, that's horrible. Oh. I mean, you know, a lot of people listening to the podcast don't know the bunny story. Well, we're not going to tell the bunny story because yeah. we can only handle talking about one death per yeah. show. <laughs> yeah, we had an infestation of bunnies, and it's, yeah, and. Once again, it was not on purpose. Horrible nightmare. Hmm. Yeah. Anyway, I mowed bunnies. Sorry. Oh, my God. It. Oh, geez. Oh, that's so sad. What? It's sad. I don't know what's sadder, the tree or the bunny. The bunnies, that's sadder. Well, maybe the tree is horrible. The tree and the bunnies are in like some sort of yard heaven. Oh, I just sent your tree to the little bunnies and now they're frolicking around it. Hmm. There you go. Some rainbow bunny bridge. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> now we're getting ridiculous now. Yes. All right. Um, so, Julie. Yes. Didn't you, weren't you supposed to speak with Oleg like a year ago? Yeah. You know, we actually met through Scott Mason, friend of the show. And Scott introduced us, and we set up a time to speak sometime in November last year. And for whatever reason, we never did. So then I was speaking to Scott again, and Scott and I speak often. And he's like, hey, did you ever connect with Oleg? I just love the two of you. And I'm like, Oleg, Oleg, who is that? Scott is nothing but persistent. No, he is persistent. That's very good. And he he reintroduced us. Oleg and I reconnected, and we jumped in a conversation, and I loved his energy. He has got this old wisdom, sage type of personality, mm. super positive. And you know, well, I was reading his, I was reading his story a little bit, and mm-hmm. you tend to get that when you've gone through what he went through. You know, living in, I was reading it. He he lived in Russia, right? And he left yeah. his his birth mother. He had to say goodbye to his siblings at the age of twelve. Well, and he grew up in a home that you know there was substance abuse. Also, he was hungry. He as many times there was nothing to eat. So he had all of that hardship that I think shaped him. But ultimately. He knew that he wanted a new life, and he went into the orphanage. He, now, he did a TED Talk, by the way. So we're going to link yes. the TED Talk, and I encourage you to go and listen to that story because it's so compelling, and it gives you insight into how he learned to overcome the odds. And he gives us those lessons, not only in our conversation, but in the TED Talk, but really in our conversation, I was able to get to know him and find out some of the stuff that he is doing. He really believes 
that speakers, right? Speakers can come together. And when everyone has a story, we have a message together. And I love that because I think that so many of us um, have undergone similar things. And ultimately, when we speak for good, and as a speaker myself, I know that we want to inspire, we want to Share not because we want people to think, oh, look how good she is or look how cool he is, but really because we hope that by what we share, you can take a nugget that you then Mm. implement into your life and you can, um, you know, do the things that you want or maybe bypass some of the difficulties, right? Or maybe figure out what the key is to mm-hmm. do the thing that you want. Yeah. But so, we're all the same in one way or another. Yeah, so he's encouraging people to tell their story. And people can do that by going to his website, overcomingodds.today. Mm. Yes. I love the quote that's on one, of the, on one of the pages here. Once a survivor, always a survivor. That's from Oleg himself. So that's actually... It, there's a lot of weight to that, actually. Mm, it, absolutely. Actually, you can read it in different ways and have it mean different things. But uh, he's definitely a cool dude. And let me yeah. tell you, um, every time I have a guy on the show, I always worry about the energy or always worry, well, you know, will people like this? But if we have a human story, a compelling message, and we have just that personality, you know, he really tugged at my heartstrings. He inspired me. He made me so excited to be able to know someone like him. And for me, I want to surround myself with nothing but inspirational uh, people who are on a mission. And he is mission-driven in this world. Mm. And I love that. So I hope that you check him out, Overcoming the Odds, today, um, Oleg's story. And again, check out this episode and this conversation with my new friend, Oleg. Today, I have a cool dude. And let me tell you, I met this cool dude through Scott Mason, friend of the show, if you remember, my neighbor from New York City. And anybody that Scott introduces me to is really a cool dude. So Oleg, welcome to the show and (laughs) so happy you came to Casa de Confidence. No, thank you. Thank you for creating a space. And once again, thanks, Scott Mason, for introducing the two of us. I'm the same exact way, actually. Uh, most, if not everyone he ever introduces me to, I feel like end up being not one and done connections, but something that actually we create with over time. And so it's just, I'm, I'm blown away by how he meets the people. But at the same time, I'm also not surprised considering yeah. the person that he is. He's so charismatic. And, and you really, you are right. Like the people yeah. who I've met through Scott are high caliber people who I just love hanging out with. And, and oh, like you're doing some really cool stuff in the world. Tell us more about you. Where do you live, number one? And what do you do in the world? <laughs> so right now I'm in Ann Arbor, Michigan. I just spent seven to eight months traveling around the world. Ugh. I spent three three months in Europe. I hiked from Lisbon, Spain, all the way to Portugal, Lisbon, Portugal, all the way to Spain. Oh, and then amazing. I completed that part of the journey by seeing the Northern Lights in Norway. And amazing. then I spent a month and a half living in Ghana mm. and three months in Ecuador and Peru. And so Ann Arbor is a place kind of where it all started for me. This is the town I was adopted into. And now is the time where I'm able to reconnect with my roots, my parents, people closest to me. And then afterwards, I'm going to be departing back to Austin, Texas, where I think life for me really took a different turn. Mm-hmm. I love Austin. I And I've been to Ann Arbor. It's been a while. But yeah. um it is interesting how your journey is taking you all over the globe. I mm-hmm. am a firm believer that when you see the world, you also change your view of the world. Would you yeah. find that to be correct? Yeah, I think there's definitely a pos- an opportunity for you to shift your perspective. I'll speak from my experience. When I was traveling to all the different places, A, I went into them with 
one image and the image that I experienced through going through those places was completely different. Mm. The people that I met, how I met them, what they were doing, how they were doing it, why they were doing it were drastically different than any of the stories that I had created for myself beforehand, Mm -hmm. which I think brings up a really interesting point. And that is something that a friend of mine had almost embedded in me many, many years ago, and that's to always challenge my own assumptions and expectations. Ooh, that's so good. Regarding everything, regarding how I think certain things are, regarding how certain conversations are going to go, regarding how I'm going to see some of the places around the world. Because, I mean, let's face it, people will... My uncle, late uncle, shared this with me. And he said, opinions are, everyone has an opinion and they will give it to you whether you want it or not. That's true. And what I found as part of that, going back to assumptions and expectations, is in meeting people such as how you and I met through Scott, Scott could have given me a completely different description of who you were after the time we met, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. He might have caught you on a bad day when you were facing, when you had faced X, Y, and Z challenges. And the person that you might have shown up then might have been a different person than you showed up the time that we met. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I bring that up is because I think it's important to note the, the difference that you can have and experience in something and the assumptions that you go into it with. I think that applies to literally everything. Mm. Think about the number of conversations we go into it with some preconceived assumptions passed down by whoever saying, okay, this person talks a lot, they don't deliver on their word, they don't follow up, they don't do this, they don't do that, and you have a completely different experience. No, that happens all the time. Maybe you, you caught them at the different time of their life. So this is what I ultimately learned through travel, going back to your point of shifting my perspective. It did shift my perspective. Ghana alone showed me what it was like to live without electricity, without water, without a reliable source of internet. Mm-hmm. And it forced me to dig deeper and figure out how do you connect? How do you stay in touch with people closest to you? How do you, how do you develop relationships in a place where you're the only white person? Mm. That's, you know, that that's incredible. And I'm taken back to, um, I actually, this came up in my memories a couple of days ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I went to Haiti for a mission trip and very similarly, and, and, and I'm a brown person, but I certainly was the one of the minority along with the people in my group. But yeah. we were um, in a place where, yes, we had no electricity. We had no uh, we had our cell phones, but we didn't really use them. We didn't have anywhere to use them, but we were there to work. And I think that um, we show up in the world, but we have to also be open to the idea of how people are going to perceive us and how we can perceive them. And having an open heart and having um, a, a, an open mind is so yeah. crucial to building important relationships. In, in in our lives in every way that we can don't you do, well, do you feel that look different people are going to perceive us in different ways and i think that's what i'm realizing and and going back to your point about relationships i wholeheartedly believe it's all about that mm-hmm. i wholeheartedly believe that it's all about building relationships and if anything that i've learned to this point is that it's a skill it's a skill to be able to create relationships it's a completely different skill to be able to maintain those relationships. Oh, that's so and true. I, people don't notice I, that. People don't notice the two. And I think far too often, at least throughout my own life, I did not do the second one. I was very good at creating. I was very good at starting the conversations. But I was <laughs> not so good at maintaining them. You know, how do you call one big awakening that I had was actually through a friendship that ended. And... I remember I picked up the phone and I had called her and she said something that was so profound that completely changed the trajectory of my future relationships. And she said, you only call me when you need help. Mm. Think about that. How many, how many times do you call people when you are in need? need. And how many times do you call a person simply to say, hi, Mm -hmm. how are you? What's going on in your life? I'm not here to ask for anything. I just want to check in. 
I want to know how things are going.、Mm-hmm. Very few,、yeah. and that's what I found myself in doing. So building those relationships, it became challenging, and I don't blame a lot of the people that after a while stopped answering my call, or they would look at the phone, they see my name pop up, and probably have thoughts of, "Here it goes again,、mm. needing some sort of help." And I think if anything, it's probably just human nature, right? When you're in a relationship with someone, and all the other person does is take, 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 with an occasional give.、Mm-hmm. Probably doesn't make you feel good, or probably doesn't make you feel in a way where you feel excited and eager to pick up the phone next time they call. Yeah. So that's where I think there is a huge skill to be learned when it comes to developing a lot of these relationships is differentiating between the two, and that's the process that it takes to create a relationship and the process that it takes to maintain and sustain one, and、uh, foster I, I, and cultivate it into something deeper. Uh, uh, you know, I, I I don't even know where to go with this because what you said, <laughs> what you're saying, is something that totally resonates with me, and I think that there are so many people that I love to talk to because when I see the phone ring, and、yeah. I think, oh, what fun conversation is this going to be? Yeah, there's times in which we do get the phone calls from other people, and we we think, oh, what now, right? And yes. And, And I want to always be, and, and my dad would always say, you know, make sure that you you give more than you take. You give more than you take, and and in every relationship, I I want to strive for that. And I know that I haven't. Oh my God, by far, been perfect at that. I think that there's、yeah. been times in my life in which I've been so consumed in my own little minutia and and world, you know, that I I don't pay attention. But I want to. Take every step that I can to continue to build and and grow in my relationships. I mentioned to you, I think, when we met、uh, that 2022 at the end of 2021, I found that I was feeling very lonely, even though I talked、yeah. to a lot of people, and I was feeling very lonely because I was just meeting people, but I wasn't connecting. And I decided that my word for the year, because that's what I do every year, um. Is I pick a word, and my word was going to be connection, and it was not so much that I'm going to like who can I connect with, but is who can I get to know and become、yeah. part of a community where we collaborate, where we learn and and share with each other because we're not alone in this planet, and we can't go at it alone. Ultimately, yeah. The other thing that I've learned when it comes to community to expand upon your point is that. I think community comes in different shapes and different sizes.、Yeah. And what I mean by that is, I don't believe, at least what my experience has taught me to this point, is not every single person that I'm going to meet is going to be willing to go step for step for with me <laughs> along the whole journey.、Mm-hmm. I do believe that some people are genuinely there for a reason, a season, or a life. Oh, I say that too. I'm so glad you I, said that. It's so、I、true. I wholeheartedly、yeah. believe believe that, and the、Me、reason、too. why is because I met a person. This was two years ago, one time encounter. I was taking my dog for a walk, and she was one of the neighbors in the adjacent apartment complex、uh, <laughs> next to mine. And we met, and we struck a conversation, and we walked for forty five minutes. And it was during those forty five minutes that she gave me so much wisdom that、mm-hmm. I was just blown away. And the her parting words right before we split ways, she said, "Always remember to take care of yourself before you walk out the door, spiritually, physically, and mentally." Wow. Now, for days after that conversation, I tried to go and walk the dog at the same time to bump、mm-hmm. shoulders into her again to ask her more questions, and I was never able to. So that's where it clicked for me that maybe this was a reason. Maybe the reason why I met her was for a reason, and、yeah. that reason being take care of yourself before you walk out the door. Yeah, meditate, reflect, process, get rid of whatever energy that you have to in order to attract new type of energy.、Mm-hmm. And so I started to realize the the component about community, and that's not everyone is going to support you in the in the way that you envision to, and that is because a, I think people are looking for different type of support, and b, I think, and I'm only saying this because it's taken me a long time to get to this point, 
I don't think many people are in a position where they can ask for help. It took me years to ask for help. It took me years to acknowledge that there were things that I needed help in. Before that, I thought I could do it on my own. I thought I could open any door. And then I kept running into walls. Mm. And then I started to realize that I need other people to help me open some of these doors that I simply don't have access to no matter how hard I try. So community is important. Yes, it, I mean, it, it has helped move mountains in my case. But at the same time, I think what I'm also trying to get to is a point of understanding that not every community is going to certain serve me in a way that's going to help me get to where I'm trying to get to. Mm-hmm. I think that there is a purpose to each one of the communities. Yeah. Like one community might motivate you to go to the gym, to stay fit, but it's not going to motivate you and keep you accountable when it comes to your finances. Another community may help you True. read a book, right? Book That's what book clubs are for, mm-hmm. but they're not going to help you how to become a better writer. Yeah, I, I totally understand what you're saying. And I, you know, when I look at my life, I do have, you know, so for instance, talk about recent season or lifetime. I have friends that I've known since my teen years and, yeah. you know, I don't connect with them all the time. I actually just saw two of them in Portland when I was visiting out there in May, but they, they have a spot in my life, in my heart but they're not the community that I'm with every day, right? Yeah. I do have a community for uh, the writers and, and other writers who I am part of. I do have a community of podcasters. I have a community for healthy uh, endeavors, a, a professional community. And I think that this is where people feel that um, sometimes we look to others to fill the void that we have. And, yes. and that that's something that can really derail us. But I wanted to ask you something because um, this is something that, you know, you have a podcast. Um, sure. You have a podcast and uh, I love that you're a podcaster as well, because I think that, uh, you know, the we podcasters are in an interesting medium, but it's overcoming the odds. You yep. Would you share a little bit of, you know, you went through some tragedy and pain and can you share a little bit about that? And what are some of the lessons that you feel can help someone that perhaps is in a difficult situation that has the odds stacked against them? For me, the journey, as I'm sure you might be able to share in external sources outside of this interview, Mm -hmm. the journey started in a town called Chibarkul, Russia. And I was born to a rather difficult set of circumstances. And that's my mom was an alcoholic. My sister ended up becoming my legal guardian. My father was absent from the time of my birth. So it put me in a very difficult situation where I had to figure out a lot of things on my own mm-hmm. from a very young age. And that led me to essentially giving up my parental rights when I was nine, going into an orphanage, and then ultimately being adopted into the family that's actually from the same exact town, from the same exact household that I'm in right now in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And the the story behind all of that and how I've been able to uh, transition beyond some of those challenging circumstances is I started to look for the lessons. Mm -hmm. What has this experience helped me see? What have I been able to learn that I wasn't before? I believe, at least through my own lens and the perspective that I've had, is once I tuned into this growth mindset of the journey that I've been, I've been able to articulate lessons learned. I've been able to articulate why did certain things happen based on my perception and all the ultimate truth probably just know the grain of it. Mm. But that's what I started to realize is that's how I've been able to reframe a lot of this adversity into opportunity, so to speak. And that's looking at all the circumstances and thinking about them in a way, how have I been able to get through it and what has helped me get to this particular point? So I think a a point for anyone that's going to be listening to this, whatever the hardship, whatever the challenge that you might be going through right now, First things first is at least you're aware of it, right? A great friend of mine once told me, you can never solve a problem if you don't know what the problem is to begin with. Mm -hmm. So the first point of it all is becoming aware. I think the second point is a question that I tend to ask myself is that what am I here to learn and what is this here to teach me? Regardless of what one is going through right now, financial hardship, family relationships, 
relationship with significant others, losing a dog, losing a loved one, losing a job, having to transition careers, starting college, starting whatever it is. What are you here to learn? And through answering of that question, I've been able to A, give a reason to the hardship. So therefore, I am understanding kind of how you and I started this conversation that there's a reason for why it's happening. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's here to teach me something. It's here to give me a tool or a skill set to move forward with. Because one thing that I've realized to this point when it comes to hardships and adversity is that it never ends. Yeah. I mean, that's just the honest truth of it all, right? It's life. We live in an imperfect it world, right? Ends. Yeah. <laughs> There's going to be one challenge after another, after another, after another. There will be no shortage of challenges. If anything, what I realize is that once I'm able to get through one and I go into a completely different space, I get even a bigger challenge sometimes, something that I have no idea how to handle. So having a growth mindset, having the ability to learn, and I think a lot of it boils down to curiosity. Mm. Everyday curiosity that I have, and that's curiosity, I believe, is the backbone to learning. Learning is the backbone to reframing adversity into opportunity yeah and the opportunity is ultimately the opportunity to learn from the circumstances so not that you're going to prevent future adversities from happening but so that you'll be able to cope and handle them in a better way yeah you know this is so good i i need to connect you (laughs) talk about connections i just spoke to an incredible individual, another cool dude. This is my day to record with cool dudes, I think. Um, But we were just talking about, you know, staying curious through the process of what life brings us. Yeah. Uh, Because when we stay curious and we, and we ask the right question, right? Like, what is this trying to teach me? Or how can I um, see the gift in the circumstances? Then we are able to become more resilient. And the truth is that resiliency is something that uh look at the pandemic that was a lesson that you know some people failed some people didn't make it and some people are still working through but and it still is and we still we're going into a recession it's a huge lesson for a lot of people and we have to look at how can i um how can i right ask the question how can i not deal with it but you know be resilient through it and, yeah. and, and be open and curious about, well, how can, you know, you know, today I went to the grocery store and I, and I honestly shocked prices. Right. And, uh, because I, you know, and I, and I tend to be very good when I go, but anyway, but I was shocked. And, I, and then I thought, you know what, this would be a great lesson. How can I yeah. be creative with how I buy groceries and still be healthy? And, and it was such a great, I had a great time at the grocery store when everybody else was, looking around and looking sad and mad and, and, and worried, honestly. But I think that when we start to look at the world with a different perspective and a different lens, then we can overcome no matter what the circumstances are. And ultimately, I think it also helps, at least for me, it has, it has taught me that I can control how I react to, oh, absolutely. to information around me, right? Mm-hmm. And I think when it goes to resilience, something that you mentioned, I wholeheartedly believe in. I believe it's like a muscle. I believe one might be, I don't know if one is born with it or not, hard to know. And I don't know if anyone has the answer to that question. But what I have realized over time is that it can be developed and it can be sharpened. It could become better than it was. And I think a lot of these things that we talked about today are in a way small hacks Mm-hmm. Right. When an adversity happens, how can you put yourself in a student's perspective as far as right. what is this here to teach me? What yeah. am I here to learn instead of going the other? And that's victim mindset. I can't believe this is happening to me. Why me? Yeah. And I've lived many of those, I'm, as I'm sure you have and a lot of the people that you have listened to, to the show. Mm-hmm. But I think for me, the ultimate shift became once I flipped the, flipped the narrative and became a student once mm-hmm. again. And know that, okay, this is just one giant classroom with never-ending opportunities to learn. So I might as well become, or I might as well get on one end of it and become an active participant. Mm. You know, active participant is something that a lot of people tend to be afraid of being. Uh, Yes. What's your advice to those who kind of like to sit on the sidelines, but perhaps if they are willing to step out of their comfort zone, they can maybe 
learn to go from just going through life through the, you know, the, the, we call it the white noise, my husband and I, the white noise of life to actually experiencing life and being more intentional? Well, it's a difficult question to answer because I'm only walking through one pair of shoes and anyone, not anyone else's. Oh, good. <laughs> but what I've, what I have learned through my journey is that there were times when I was on the sidelines. There mm. were times when my number was called and I was not there to answer the call or answer the calling. Mm-hmm. So I realized that part of my journey included a developing enough courage and b understanding that I do have a purpose in this world. Wow. I think, in my opinion, when it comes to purpose, at least in U.S. or maybe it's just the entire society, and that purpose, I believe, is presented as this huge thing that you have to achieve over the course of your lifetime. I don't really subscribe to that. I believe that purpose can be found anywhere. And so for me, the journey really becomes about defining a sense of purpose and then refining it over time. So whatever you want to find that is purposeful today, know that it is going to change over time and that's okay. (laughs) Yes, you might be passionate about X, Y, and Z today, but tomorrow you might be passionate about something completely different. But had you not started with the first step, you would not be at step two. So I think the very first step is understanding that a lot of it truly just starts from you being able to start. And then it just builds and builds and builds and you go down a variety of paths, some paths that you may not want to end up on. But at the same time, going back to the question of why am I here? What is this here to teach me? Those are the questions that have helped me reframe when I was on those paths that didn't ultimately align with the bigger picture. And the other thing that I believe when it comes to people choosing or not choosing to live life is for me, it's a miracle. Yeah. It's a miracle to be alive. It's a miracle to me to be born. I mean, look at the statistics, right? The chances of you being born is like one in a billion or whatever the number is, probably uh-huh. even higher than that. So the fact that you did that in a way, you already won the lottery. Mm-hmm. And you won the biggest lottery of all. Yeah, the lottery look, of you life. beat the odds. <laughs> and think about the number of different things that you could have been born instead. And I'm not saying that squirrels, dogs, cats are any less than humans. I'm just saying it's a different life. What if you were a chair, right? What if you were that? What if you were a trash can? Instead, I believe you get to be a human. And being a human to me is just a fascinating experience. I mean, you get to do things that pretty much no other species is able to do. You get to think about the future and you get to manifest the future in front of you. Once upon a time, you and I had a dream about starting a podcast. Yeah. We had no idea how it's going to start. We had no idea who to interview, what questions to ask, what equipment to use. And one thought after another, we're here. We're able to do all this. Think about how crazy it is. Think about people like Steve Jobs, literally, who created the mechanism behind the things that we're able to use right now yep so all of these things to me are fascinating the fact that we're able to start with ideas and then create a completely different reality around it long story longer i believe it's a miracle and i think this purpose can come from anywhere and ultimately i do believe that it's just being able to start start anywhere Start anywhere. And I will tell you, um, have you ever heard the story? Because, you know, and it made me think of this when you brought up Steve Jobs, right? Yeah. Um, the Have you ever heard the story of how he was afraid of buttons? No. Okay. So I'm going to tell you this quick story. And it's to your point. Um, so Steve Jobs had a huge fear of buttons since he was in kindergarten. And um, go, and, and the reason of the story is because it resonates with what you were just saying. Uh, fast forward, you know, Steve Jobs went on, he started Apple. And when the, they launched, they were about to, you know, work and launch the iPhone, um, he had all the best engineers and 
If you remember, I, well, you're you're younger, much younger than I am, but you may recall maybe just a couple of years. But, oh, yeah. I don't know about that, but um, <laughs> they, you know, they had the. I guess it was like the Sidekick was one of the the phones that was in vogue back then when the before the iPhone came out, and it was kind of like a flip phone, but it had like a, an entire little keyboard, or you had the Palm Pilots or the Blackberries. Um, so it had tons of buttons. So when the you know, these genius engineers came to Steve Jobs and they said, hey, we have a prototype for the iPhone. It had a gazillion buttons. And he was like, I don't want any buttons. <laughs> and guess what? We have a phone that only had, well, when it launched, only one button, one central sure. button. And it was all touch. And so, you know, I love that story because most people look at the fears or the deficiencies, or the place where, you know, they they don't measure up compared to somebody else, but they don't realize that that's really, if you allow it to, can be a source of strength. It could be a source of in innovation. It could be a source of something wonderful coming about, but we yeah. have to be open to that. And, and I think that, um, uh, this is a little bit of what you were saying, you know, and, and, and it really resonated. So there's the, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of speakers that are a little more eloquent than I am. They can share the story <laughs> a little better, but I always go back to that story when my clients talk about how they're fearful or they don't, you know, the, the, their kryptonite is this. Yep. And I want us to learn to, again, ask the right question and find, well, how can this be something that empowers me? Or how can yeah. I leverage this? Or how can I bounce back from that? And it, it's, anyhow, I love that story. <laughs> and look, we all have those fears, right? Yeah. We all have those daily fears, regardless of who you are, whether you are someone who is giving a presentation on ways to face your fears, even that person has their own fears. Of course. And that's the thing that I'm starting to realize about this whole journey is that if everyone has their fears, how cool would it be to live in a world where we're all able to face those fears? And we're all able to acknowledge each and every single one of us as someone who is simply going through the journey, facing whatever battles that they're facing within their own daily life. Yeah, indeed. And I think part of facing fears, at least what I've realized, is once I started to face a lot of them, I've actually discovered some of the skills. I've discovered some of the strengths. Mm -hmm. I've discovered a sense of purpose within yeah. a lot of that. So one mm -hmm. thing that I'm genuinely interested in right now is the role that curiosity has in helping one overcome invisibility. Ooh. Invisibility of whatever it might be. For me, it was being adopted, being Russian, being an entrepreneur, being someone who was almost once evicted out of his place. All of these things were aspects of my identity that I chose to keep invisible due to fear of being rejected, right. due to fear of shame, due to fear of not being accepted, due to fear of not having to belong, all of these things are real. Yeah. They're real feelings. Some of them are real thoughts. And I think what I've ultimately realized, the only way that I've been able to do it as far as facing them is first acknowledge that they exist. So become aware of those invisible aspects. And then from there, go into how we, you and I started this conversation, learn from it. Yeah. How did I, what worked? What didn't? Mm -hmm. What role did connection have in transforming some of those fears and making some of those aspects of my invisible part of my identity visible? Right. What role did curiosity have in all of that? Mm. Right. I think curiosity is a huge component when it comes to a lot of this. And, and I, I want to say that curiosity doesn't get enough attention. Yeah, maybe. curiosity doesn't get enough attention. And I, and I will say, you know, for instance, for me, you talked about, you know, feeling shame. And I think that the greatest accomplishments for me in my life, personal life and business, have come when I embrace the shame, because I think that, you know, I too, um, you know, growing up I, at one point, um, my mom was a single mom yeah. and, um, you know, I grew up and, and I, if you go back to the eighties movies, right, you had the, the movies with the cool kids and they all had these 
beautiful houses and these cars, you know, state of the art, like brand new. That was that was my high school. But I drove yeah. like a little beat up car that um, had a crack windshield that, um, you know, and, and every my mom worked really hard. Yet there were times in which I would come home and there was no electricity or uh. and and. I felt so much shame because yeah. I didn't want people to um, to know, like, we didn't, you know, and we never had a shortage of food. My mom made sure we always had something to eat. Um, but I, I felt terrible that maybe my clothes were secondhand and that shame, I, I embrace it now and I talk about it not to say, oh, look how great I am. But I want people to know that they're not alone when they're, and and there's nothing to be shamed on the circumstances that you're living. Because again, if you go back and I remember thinking like, well, um, you know, how can I, right? The curiosity and beginning to ask the right question. Then if it weren't for that, I wouldn't have gotten a job early in high school. I wouldn't have known how to manage going to school and having a job. I wouldn't um, having a social life and yeah. and all of these things taught me, but now I I embrace my past because it created who I am today. Yeah, I and think it's the only way to move forward. It's the only way to move forward. Um, Oleg, I have to ask you. Tell me a little bit about stand up, um, and speak. Stand up and speak up is a campaign I started a lot of this with, and that was I think it's five years by now where people were able to openly share their stories. It started with those who have been adopted or part of the foster care experience. And then since it has expanded to a variety of other groups. And ultimately, it's a space where people can share their stories, regardless of what the topic might be, and be a part of a community of others who have chosen to stand up and speak up, regardless Mm. of what they've been through. You know, that's so amazing. And I think that... um, providing a platform so that others can share their story because there's power in our story. And I think that oh, yeah. the more that we resonate, um, because again, the world is so prone to tell us that everything is beautiful and that everybody's kitchen is perfectly clean and that nobody does laundry because it's just magically in these beautiful closets. Uh-huh. And um, But the world is messy. The world is a place where um we're so uncomfortable with the messy, but sometimes the messy is what's needed or the messy is what makes us better. And I love that you are uh, giving a platform to others so mm-hmm. that we can normalize whatever it is, the story where we come from. Yeah. 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 And and for anyone that's going to be interested, uh, please visit overcomingodds.today. That's where you'll be able to find a campaign and podcasts and different ways that people can be a part of it too. That's terrific. Now, you, how did you get to be um, a TED, TEDx speaker? That's on my list. I told you that, right? <laughs> For me, it was uh, one of two things. First is I had a connection at the university that I spoke at through a handful of lifelong mentors and professors that I was um, fortunate to attend their classes. And then from there, I, I chose to ask. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I chose to ask them for help as far as if they can introduce me to people who are organizing events like that. Mm-hmm. And then luckily, one of the people that was organizing it um, liked the idea that I was going to speak on and they accepted me. So I think the lesson learned there is don't be afraid to put yourself out there. Uh, don't be afraid of the no because receiving a no is just part of the journey. Mm-hmm. And then I think the other part is something that I believe in is that all of the resources that one might be looking for are already within your fingertips. So mm-hmm. there's, I guarantee there's someone within your network right now that can help you get on a TED stage if that's what you ultimately want. Uh, when one final thing that I'll share is something a friend of mine had shared with me yesterday. He said there are two forces that ultimately make most of the things happen in our world. And it's a drive and it's focus. Mm-hmm. Focus on what you want and be driven enough to go out there and get it, driving whatever the circumstances. Okay. Exactly. Oh, this may be the name of this podcast episode. There you go. <laughs> um, you know, it, it's funny you you say that. Did I tell you I applied to TED here in Hartford? Did I tell no, you that uh-uh. experience? Okay, so uh, yes, I put it. This is one of my goals for 2022. Um, 
that I wanted to work toward. I wanted to, because I am a speaker, I've been in several stages, et cetera. But TED is one of my goals, TEDx. And so I received a couple, uh, several emails from people, colleagues here in Connecticut. One of them is a friend of the show. She's one of the biggest supporters. And she said, you should speak at TEDx Hartford. And I'm like, oh, this is such a great idea. I'd love to do it, right? And I think I had like three months to submit the application. And I was so afraid. I was so afraid of the rejection. And I decided, I'm like, I'm not going to do it. Oh, what would I speak about? And of course, like I have something that I would speak about. I have a topic and I have this idea on how um, we all have the ruby slippers that it takes for us to get to where we want to be. We just need to learn how to use them and leverage them in a modern world. Anyhow, so that's my idea, good or bad. I don't know. But talk about people, you have the resources. However, I did not have the focus, even though I had a goal and even though the opportunity was there, I was not focused on it because I was so fearful of the rejection and so fearful that I wasn't going to measure up. I also forgot to ask for help. I forgot to ask for help. And then um, somehow it was a Friday afternoon and I realized like, oh, the TEDx application is due on Sunday. Uh, And I thought, I'm going to regret it if I don't submit it. And I thought, well, if I don't submit it, then I don't get the rejection. So I kept going back and forth. And then finally, uh, Saturday, I started to write it. Sunday, I filled out the application. I submitted it. And when I submitted it, I, I guess Monday or Tuesday, I went to dinner with some friends and, and a good friend. I was, I was telling her I submitted the application because my other friend had said, Hey, did you submit it? And I'm like, I did. And they're like, Oh my God, you would be perfect. You would so great. Of course, they're my friends. So they were going to say nice things. Right. But one of them is like, you know, I know the organizers of TEDx. I'm going to put in a good word for you. Now, here's the thing. I, I, it turns out that I do know someone from the organizers and I could have asked for help. Like when I first thought about it, but because I was so unfocused and because I was so caught up in the, I'm going to fail and I don't want to fail that I, I did not leverage the uh, opportunity. So now I know better and I maybe yeah. I'll apply next year. Not maybe I will apply next year, but now I know that there's resources. There's people that I can connect with. There's people that I can reach out. And I think that that's something that we should all remember who can help us? Ask the right question. Who can I help? Who can help me? How can I do this? What resources do I have? And then keep in mind what your end goal is, because anytime you start to get distracted, then you forget to keep working toward that last, uh, last, uh, you know, destination. I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah. And I think that's something you mentioned is just like being aware of all of that is key. Yeah, for sure. For sure. When, you know, Oleg, I could talk to you all day because you're very <laughs> like-minded but i know uh-huh. that you probably have a busy schedule um where in the world would you like to go next if you, if i could beam you up somewhere in the world and where would you go and why nowhere to be honest with you <gasps> no, i would stay where i'm at really? yep. love that that's yeah. so good be content with your, what you're at that's so good yeah i love Having it travel to all the places i'm i'm good you're good. Oh, well, I'm not good yet. I need to see the world. I need to see as much of it as possible. <laughs> but I'm a restless soul. That's for sure. Well, with time, hopefully you'll be able to do it, right? I hope so. I hope so. That's that's what I, I want to continue to do. And this is why I love what I do, because I have the flexibility. I was in Florida last week here today. Um, but we are so gifted to be able to have this opportunity to live this one life and in learn to be better versions of ourselves. Um, so how can people connect with you? You shared your website. We talked about your podcast. Where else can mm-hmm. people connect with you? LinkedIn is probably the best way personally. And that's just searching my name on there, uh, Facebook, and then probably some of the other social media platforms that you can connect right. with me through the organization. But I think those are the best ways. Well, terrific. We're going to link to all of your social. We're going to link to your LinkedIn specifically because that's where I connected with you. And I happen mm-hmm. to, by the way, you're a very good writer. <laughs> Thank you. You're yeah. welcome. No, it takes you a are. while to put the thoughts together, but you know. Well, you're, you're doing a great job and I, I appreciate that. <laughs> and, you know, thank you so much for always having uh, something good and deep and thoughtful to share 
with the world. I do appreciate that. And again, um, make sure that you do connect um, with Oleg and give him a follow and, and reach out to him. Tell him you found him through Casa de Confidence. And will you come back? Of course. Great. Well, you're terrific. Thank you so much again. And don't forget, go confidently in the direction of your dreams. I will. Thank you so much. Thank you're you. You're welcome. Thanks for joining us this week on the Casa de Confidence podcast with Julie DeLuca Collins. Remember to check her out on Instagram and Facebook and always click subscribe to catch every new episode. Remember, leave a review so we can continue to bring you fresh content. And as always, go confidently in the direction of your dreams. Hi, everybody. I know that sometimes we get very lonely in this entrepreneur journey, and I want to invite you to join us into our limited time only purposeful you mastermind. For many of us entrepreneurs, we believe that we can do it all. But the reality is that doing it alone only creates a lot of overwhelm. So join us at the purposeful you mastermind. You can find out more information by going to bit.ly forward slash Julie's mastermind. This is going to be the place where you are able to then unlock your full potential and achieve long-term success for your business, push you behind your current limits, expand your connections, discover new ideas, and implement them with confidence. You're going to get the support in all aspects and transforming you to the six-figure business you've been looking for. Pause and get off the hamster wheel if you've been spinning around. This is a time where you can get that support from like-minded entrepreneurs that are here to join you in your journey. Together, we can challenge the assumptions and land the speaking engagements and opportunities we want to grow our business and make an impact in the lives of people. See you then. Remember, you can find the mastermind at bit.ly. Julie's Mastermind.